Yeah. It's recording, yeah. You said put it on. Not my fault. What kind of time is that to go live, you baggy? You said put it on. Alright then. Anyway, it's only sweet shit, Yanni, and it's not, it's not Ghana, is it? Alright. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillah. Salatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man walah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Right here, folks. So today, we are going to cover or continue with the... Um, yani, uh, finish off the issue of... We're finished off the hands. We're finished off the position. Any questions on that? Anyone wants to, to finish? Yeah, any, any, you know. We also did the... Huh? Can we finish? Yeah, yeah. I don't think possibly we could do any more. Zafar, what do you think? Yeah. I was reading something that Imam Ahmed... Obviously, I told you that for Imam Ahmed, both positions were uh, were equally acceptable, meaning above... Uh, below navel, above navel, and then the problem is, is that do you then put the chest as a third tier, or does that technically come under above navel? And the truth is that above navel really is too close to the navel to be considered the chest. There's still like quite a bit of a gap. So, uh, and uh, I, there has not been narrated from Ahmed a statement that says the chest, even though the hadith does mention the chest. And I was reading that his base base position um, the base position in Qiyam is just above the navel. It seems that that is his, his own preferred position. But like we said, the issue is one very flexible. All of the hadiths have some maqal. What I really liked actually was Sheikh Uthameen also saying that even the hadith about being on the chest also has maqal. Maqal yani, means Maqal comes from qala, yeah, uh, to say. So when we say maqal, it means there's something to be said. You know, when you say it in English, it means that there's, you know, you're not happy with it. There's something to be said about that. You know, indicates that if you go much deeper, then you'll find a few gremlins in there. And that's, huh? Uh, do we say that in, 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 in English? Something to be said about that. Said for that. I don't know whether it has a positive meaning in English. In Arabic, or not in Arabic, in, in, in Usuluddin, in the, in the sciences, it almost, it almost exclusively has a negative meaning. It's like when we say, you know, in that situation, we need to have, we need to, you know, need to have a little think about that. Has the same, has the same understanding. <laughs> Yeah. We haven't said what's the class preferred position of the placing of the hands on the. Zakalaka, no, you're right. Can you t- talk some more, please? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that was the big one here. You spent the small one, not the big one. Have you got any more? Why don't you salam, Dina? And Munir. And Mesa. 
And we've got some more gems. And Shav. Share some more gems with us. So I can... Tell us about the class you're having this weekend. Can you speak to the microphone, please? Yeah, because he knows in town. And uh, it's going to be excellent, inshallah. What are you teaching? He's teaching succession. Um, I will look at him. I'm going to do that. Um, just to start working on inshallah. Is this the name of the name? That was the worst plug. We don't need a plug. I will not make that mistake of taking a sweet mid thingy unless it's chocolate. Okay. Promoting mouth chocolate. But Sheikh Hasib Banur is in town. Ah, oh, there you go. Check it out there. There we go. Check it, check it. Just in case I forget later on. The story of Abu Bakr Siddiq and Umar radiallahu anhu and the lessons from that. That's tonight. Uh, that's a, a Thursday, uh, Friday night in Manchester, inshallah. It's going to be at Mary Seacole in Salford University, inshallah. So 7 o'clock. Anyone who's around in the Northwest, make sure you t- attend that. Birmingham upwards, really. London, you guys had it last week. It was a good class. Mm-hmm. Salam. Yeah, he's actually here in Chido tomorrow, yeah. He's in Chido. AZ, I'm going to slap you so hard, AZ. What the fish are you doing at home? Get your backside here right now. What's he doing at home? He's watching the game, isn't he? No, he's watching the game. Babysitting. He's not babysitting. I'm going Paris evening. I'm going to... You know, he's, better be watching the game. No, no, well, you know, he says, I'm going to try and get out of it. I'm like, at half past seven... How are you trying to get out of parents' evening? What a... The guys in school. Don't go? Exactly, you don't go. What do you mean? I'm going to try and get out of it. Like as if there's some big discussion you have to have in a big meeting. It's a principle well-known in school parent evening. Mm. Parents' evening in September and October are just a waste of time. Waste of time. They are just telling you what's going on for the year. What's going on for the year. Pay attention whatsoever. At all. The important ones are in March, April. Exactly. I'm not like on the fifth year. Rayhan, it was, man. I'm sorry. I had to. It was literally the size of my nose, man. Anyway, alhamdulillah, it's done. I'm not going to make that mistake. Right. We've got to rethink this whole idea of fasting on a thingy day, yeah? That's messed up this class big time, yeah? We have to make a decision. Change the calendar, isn't it? Change the calendar. I'm telling you, it's got to be changed, man. Honestly. Pakistan is tomorrow, day. This is what happens. What lies? What happens? Punishment. Punishment. Yeah, a punishment. Punishment. Right. Welcome, Abida. Good to see you from Scotland. Mashallah, Rihan. Right. Okay. Um, so, in terms of class position, the class position is the chest. No doubt about that. Uh, there is no more authentic hadith, as the as the the muhaddithin would say, al amthal hadith, the most yahani. Um, Sound and the most yani, likely to be followed and so on and so forth is the one on the chest. Not just because of riwayah, but diraya as well. Riwayah meaning the narration of Wa'il bin Hujr that we mentioned last week. And then diraya, if we know and we accept that the hadith are authentic, that he وسلم, put his right hand on the, the, the forearm, it's just not happening down there. It makes you just go weird and everything. Go, I mean, it, it, just, it just makes sense. But as we, uh, that's the class position. But complete flexibility between all three, between all three. Yes, bro. Are you saying chest or above the knee? So a chest. 
chest. Yeah, because you know, you know, the word sadr, okay, is very much chest, and above the surah is just above the surah. It's literally on the stomach line, and there is a significant difference. And yeah, that's look one whole dirai, any difference? You know, one whole handspan, sorry, a difference. So, okay. Yeah. So, like we showed in last week's lesson, so those folks, Yanni, who. Yeah. What's happened? Well, let me just take the. Uh... Well, don't give me a heart attack. Is it? Are we still live or not? Yeah, we're live. Just want to speak about the banner. What banner? Oh, banner, banner. You know, we've got the PG banner at the bottom. No, that is modern, modern technology now, isn't it? Oh. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, you can't see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, go on. Yeah. So, again, just to revise, Yanni, for uh, the uh, folks who didn't see last week, but last week, obviously, we did it in the, in, the, in the context of standing. But if this is the chest, okay, and you can see this clearly, yeah? Yeah, I'm nice to sit up a little bit. <laughs> Look at my position. I mean, I don't think in my entire life have I ever sat this straight, like ever. Like, look, look, just look at my back. Yeah? And he goes, it'd be nice if you sat up a little bit. Can you give me something to throw at that fish, yeah? Just give me this mango book whilst here. I'm just seeing the top half, so anyway, a little bit higher than the thing. Right. So. <laughs> come here and sort the camera out, you lazy pack. Unbelievable. Yani, how much high do you want me to sit? <laughs> Feel like bloody inspector gadget. What? What would you want? <laughs> right. So, wada, which is to place the right over the left, will work like this. Okay, like this. This will be this will be considered wada, and this will be wada, and this will be wada. Meaning, yani the right the the, the right uh, hand on the left forearm. This is qabd which yani should be avoided the grabbing of the holding of on the arm there seems to be no evidence and absolutely no evidence to grab the shoulder the, grab the uh, the elbow or to grab the arm which is what you see people like this okay so we're talking placing on placing on this is all acceptable all of this is within because even this is interpretation yani was it right there placed on or was it like there so this is acceptable all of this is acceptable and like what dad said yesterday What's the, uh, the last week? Yani, uh, how much accuracy do you really need to know about Qur'a and Qursur uh, and uh, the, the, the Rusukh yani, in, in between? The idea is, is that these were prominent parts yani, that were being like held. So as you can see here, my thumb and my hand are circling, encircling the limb. So this is acceptable. So I want you to know that even if you press your, even if you put your hand on your hand here, okay, this is wada, which does not require the grasping. But if you're, if you're grasping, then you will hold it like this at the very least. Okay, there. So this is, I mean, I'm, I am putting a bit high for this camera, but effectively it needs to be around here. This is the position, just where the sternum is. All right, just where the sternum is. This is yani, where the chest is. And this is all flexible. Point is, you don't want to be getting up here. This is, yani, even though this is technically still at the bottom of the chest, but now up here is the throat, right? So what's this bone called? What's this one, Zafar, wake up. This. It's called the what? A sternal notch. Hmm. Alright. Shut up. So that's too high that. Okay? So class position is the chest. Class position of the hands are on. Hand, 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 and then clasping 
is this would be the minimum of clasping where you're literally just holding onto the, the hand and you've got a hold of the actual ulna and radia end, the radius ends and then actually holding <coughs> onto that completely all right and then like that okay all right buddy everybody right so yeah uh, some questions from last week <clears throat> you said mentioned something about women clapping for a dhikr mm -hmm. for dhikr yes something like that no, no, I don't know what that is. No. You're talking about the mistaken salah state and um, the difference between man and woman. And why yeah, but why was that last week? Was it the week before? That was last week. That was last week. Just that we were doing differentiation between difference between men and women. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, in terms of position, yeah. So yeah, this is the hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Remember, as we said before, when it comes to the woman, her body, her voice, her appearance, her everything is sexualized beyond. It's normative or the way that she takes it and so everything is then minimized in public everything even her right and so therefore we do not see her making the other and we do not see her leading salah we do not see her giving khutbah we do not see her speaking unnecessarily etc etc her recitation of the quran in public is something which is considered by scholars to be yani either makru or something worse or something a little bit less etc 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 and likewise it then follows through into the hadith that if um, someone makes a mistake the correcting of the uh, uh, woman, unless it's, if it's necessary, okay. Um, uh, for a male, it's saying it's saying Subhanallah. Yeah, you know, everyone just goes Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. Yeah, because it's a passive pack thing, right? But men are meant to say Subhanallah, and women are meant to bring attention. Just bring attention to hold on, you messed that up. So with their clap hands or make some kind of sound or whatever it is. Okay. It's just a disturbance. It's creating a disturbance, which also is subhanalized. Also creating a disturbance that attracts the attention of the imam to make them realize that, hold on, you're minimizing everything. We don't want to be speaking too much, explaining so much, just indicating something that something's not quite right for the imam to then deal with it. Oh, okay. Yeah, next one. Yeah, and there was the hadith where the Prophet said that us, the prophets, have been commanded to delay and hasten the for, for fasting and to place the hands the right hand on the left hand yeah so what's the fasting got to do with placing the hand nothing that hadith that we mentioned last week was just talking about a number of aspects of or characteristics external characteristics of the prophets okay so is the list longer or no three? that list is only three three those three things okay yeah not always, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. There's not always are, are lists describing actions or whatever uh, having to be connected. It's like, it's like the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that I was given five things above other, everyone else. And, and you see, you compare the five, they're, they're not necessarily connected. Yeah. Um, Rayhan, interesting. He goes, I remember listening to a lecture by Sheikh Al-Kamali and he said that the Jamhur from the Malikiyah say that qabd is makruh, meaning that sadal is mustahab. Well, I can tell you that certainly the Maliki madhab support the idea that irsal or sadal, as it's known, uh, hands at the sides, that is, okay, um, uh, is their recommended position. There's no doubt about that. That's well known amongst the Maliki school. However, like I said last week, there are a number of the Maliki muhaqqiqin. And remember this word muhaqqiq. Muhaqqiq yani is a phrase which means the person who does tahqiq. Tahqiq, oh, you sick guy. 
Parents evening yani has been dumped. The program has been dumped. And nikah has been thingy. Just just tell us the score, bro. Don't 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 think. No, we don't believe you one little bit. Astaghfirullah. Oh my God, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with having a little bit of choo choo there, bro. Um, so, by the way, we can get munch, yeah? We're still on the plan, what we said, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> all right, so, uh, a sedel, which is the hands at the sides, according to the Malikiyah, it is their position, it's their madhab, it's their whatever, especially because they know very much so that it's not some false position from a Maliki, yani, that it didn't happen to him, that he didn't get beaten. None of the Malikis officially ever said that, ever. It's just nonsense from the other side, right? So, uh, Imam Malik believes it, because he's copying the people of Medina, who are copying Abdullah ibn Zubair, who is a companion. And, 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 and I told you this last week, we spent a lot of time on this last week, that I genuinely believe that the Prophet Sallallahu I believe his hands were in all of these positions. I find it difficult with so many companions having such a varied uh, 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 take on this. Now you might say, well, hold on. And you, should, you, could, you could rightly say, hold on, there are so many other issues which they have such a variance on in terms of opinion, but you don't say that or they're all correct. And that's true. That's true. But those scenarios, they kind of lend themselves to being those with differences of opinion. But when you're watching someone pray every single day, you would suggest that you, it would suggest that that's something that doesn't have such a wide variety. So with the variety, I do think that the Prophet has observed at different times of the day, different moments, different tiredness, different yani, energy, different yani, focus. So I believe it. That's my personal belief. That's my personal belief. I really strongly do believe that after many, many years of thinking and reflecting and speaking and researching, I think that there's a real flexible approach to both hands on, off, Yani, placing, high, everything. Full on. Full on. But anyway, when it comes to Madahib, Madahib are never going to be so generous. Madahib want to protect their brand, want to protect yani, their action, and don't want to confuse their followers. And you know what? That's what we want the Madahib to do. Right? In fairness, if we want a Madahib, we want it to keep it tight because the people who are following that Madahib, they need it to be kept tight. Because once you start giving them that bit of flexibility, then they start losing control, then the Madahib then starts to lose control, and then you know, it's a nightmare scenario for them. So we get, we get that. So yeah, I, expect, I accept that completely. Um, uh, Rehan, that the Malikia would say that. Uh, but just to talk about the word muhaqqiq, yes? This word comes from haqqaqa yuhaqqiqu tahqiqan. Tahqiq is when you authenticate a book. The tahqiq of this book, for example, if you look at it, you've got large text, and then you've got this, well, this is not really, he's writing his own notes, but this, this here, for example, this is the large, the larger notes, and then at the bottom, this is someone different completely. He's the muhaqqiq, yes? He's, so when Shaykh Uthameen says this, and it's narrated in the hadith, and so then the muhaqqiq has gone and then said footnote 3 and he said well, the footnote 3 this has been narrated by Abu Dawood in the book of Salah in the chapter of indicating in the tashahud the hadith number 990 the muhaqqiq has written that he's gone back and checked every single thing that has been stated and then found the hadith for it and then in the modern day version the muhaqqiq also kind of he also gives a ruling on the hadith that maybe the, the original imam hasn't so the muhaqqiq is known as the authenticator, someone who revises everything. So when it comes to actual uh, madhahib, you have muhaqqiqin in the madhabs as well. So those who are fiercely loyal to the madhab, but they still want to check within the madhab. And some of these muhaqqiqin, they have positions which are a bit different to the original imams and the original official position in madhab. Imam al-Nawawi is very famous for that. Uh, all of the scholars, realistically, it's a big insult. Yeah. 
for us to consider that big imams in the madhab are all blind followers. They're not. Ibn Qudam is not a blind follower. Imam al-Nawawi is not a blind follower. Ibn Hajar is not a blind follower. Yeah, they might go 95% of all the normal kind of Shafi'i positions, but that's because they convinced themselves of that. They developed their, their methodological tools on that. So anyway, I want to say that, that there are a number of muhaqqidin in the Maliki Madhab, Imam Ibn Abdul Barr, from the most famous of the Malikiyah, who considered that no, the correct position is, despite our school saying that it's by the size, the correct position is the right on the left because of the hadith. And it's actually it's indisputable. There's no way that anyone could defend that it's not the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to put the right hand over the left hand. Like it's, because as I said last week, Imam Malik himself narrates a hadith in the Muatta and considered it sahih. So it's, it's impossible. You can't say makru. I mean, how you say makru? You have to go around the houses and stuff. Anyway, uh, my point was is that a number of the muhaqqidin of the modern time Maliki Madhab, like the teacher that I studied under Sheikh Muhammad Salim al Udud, and his nephew, who's now the most uh, famous scholar on this planet, Sheikh Muhammad al Dadu al Shankiti. These are these are. If they're not Maliki, I don't know what they are. They spent their entire lives yeah, in Mauritania studying it, memorizing it, teaching it. And they're themselves, yeah, our teachers. My, I, from myself, I heard from them. And you can find it all over the internet that they consider that the correct position is right over left despite the uh, uh, position of the Maliki school. So let them squabble about that. What we can say is that all of these positions are narrated. All of these are permissible. All of these are good. And if you're going to go with something, then you go with it and you stick with it. Or you vary between depending upon your mood. My class position is that the base asal position is right hand on left hand on the chest. Wada or qab. Wada, wada or qab. Okay. So the next section is وَيَنْذُرُوا masjidahu, And so he looks at his masjid. Yani his masjid, not masjid, his place of uh, worship, his place, place of um, uh, uh, sajda, okay? So, so, Sheikh Atameen says a lot here, okay? I'm just so sad for, with that, that she's come, yani, with the lesson of only, only 10 minutes left. <laughs> it's not our fault that she didn't know that, is it? You know what I mean? No, no. Right, okay. So, I just bring up the text for, for a second. Yeah, Rehan, that's right. The original text is in the Mudawana, yeah. Um, yeah. Masjidahu. Masjid. Hmm. وَيَنْظُرُوا مَسْجِدَهُ مَسْجَدَهُ I need to think about that. I've written it as masjid, but it could be masjid as well. But I think masjid is okay. Anyway, the point is that it means the place of his prostration. And I think maybe actually both ways could be acceptable, masjid and masjid, yeah? But anyway, this is the place of his prostration. This is detailed. So, Sheikh Uthameen says, for those who want to follow the Mumtia, it's in page 38 at the top of the Mumtia. He goes, so this is inclusive of the Imam, the follower, and the one praying by themselves. These are the only three people you need to worry about, right? The Imam, the follower, and the one who's praying by him or herself. That they look at the place of their sujood, and this is the position of the majority of the people of knowledge. 
And the reason that they do this is because of the hadith of Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi sallam that he sallallahu alayhi would look to the position of his sajda whilst he was whilst he was in his prayer. This hadith has been narrated by Imam Al Hakim, uh, volume one, four hundred and seventy nine, and by Imam Al Bayhaqi, volume five, one hundred and fifty eight, on the authority of Aisha that and listen to this that she came uh, uh, that. Uh, she narrated that when the Messenger of Allah entered the Kaaba, okay, he did not let his eyesight go anywhere other than the place of his sujood until he left, until he exited. Okay, this is the, the narration of him actually praying inside the Kaaba. Confused as to where we are in terms of the study material. Uh, bro, bring up the. Um, Bring up the, the, the notes. Look at the class notes, Shaf. Bring up the notes, Shaf, so end I can read page, them. Uh, end of that page. Uh, it's the end, huh? So the bottom of the, in English, it's the bottom of the page, just the uh, middle of the last paragraph. Uh, yeah, yeah. He then, gra- uh, Shaf, everybody, this is the English word, the third paragraph. He then grasps his left wrist under his navel and looks at his place of prostration and says, Okay? This lesson will be all, uh, all of this lesson will be just up to that part. Subhanakallahumma will be next week. Okay? The Arabic is, as I said before, okay, so in English, he looks to his place of frustration and he says, This is what we're going to be covering today. And he says, So, to get back then, Aisha radiallahu anha said that when the Messenger of Allah entered the Kaaba, he enters the Kaaba. And he prays and he, despite being in the Kaaba, you'd have thought that he's so yani, amazed by the surroundings and what it is and what's going on and all the rest of it. But he, sallallahu alayhi wa did not look up from the position of his sajda, which shows that this is a, uh, an important thing to follow. And also, And they also said, like what the people said in the tafsir of the ayah, uh, indeed successful are the believers those who in their prayers are humble, okay, that's the first two verses of Surah Al-Mu'minun, that the word khushu' الَّذِينَ هُمْ فِي صُلَاتِهِمْ خَاشِعُونَ Those who are in their prayer, خَاشِعُونَ Full of khushu' That khushu' The meaning of khushu' according to some of the companions was that he looks to the position of his sajda. I find this interesting by the way, I'll tell you why. Because obviously I just taught fiqh salah in Denmark the last two weekends. And when we were talking about khushu' I reminded everybody um, that where actually the concept of khushu' comes from, everyone complains about their khushu' is not good, my khushu' suffering, my khushu', my khushu'. And uh, a lot of people, and I think I've said this here maybe, and I've definitely said it in Fiqh Salah, and I will keep saying it, that a lot of people overthink and overcomplicate the concept of khushu'. They think this is some kind of mystical science that you, know, that you go and study in the mountains of Tibet somewhere, you know what I mean? And you close your eyes into some kind of cave nonsense, right? That classic kind of yoga bakwas approach to it, or some Zen. And what's interesting actually is that, you know, as we're going to come to in a second, when the whole discussion of looking at the sajda, what about closing the eyes, where's that from, blah, 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 it's going to open up that, 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 that paradigm in a minute. But before I even get there, I want you to know that khushu' is not the mysterious yani, thing that people make it out to be. Khushu' is just stillness. It's just stillness. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَتَرَ الْأَرْضَ خَاشِعَةً And you see the earth khashia. And then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends down the water upon it, al-ma' ihdazzat, ihdazzat, warabat. And if you remember, I, I said to you guys in Fiqh Salah 
that if you ever watch one of those Attenborough, uh, uh, you know, features or any documentary where they do the time lapse and they've got the camera for about four or five months on the on the in the forest and you see the land, the earth and it's completely still, it's completely still. And then you see, obviously, rain, not rain, rain, not rain every day as it goes, it, you know, and it rains, 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 and it's completely still. And then suddenly it starts to shake like an earthquake. Everyone, everyone must have seen that, right? It starts to shake. It's weird, right? Because it's obviously it's just focusing on a tiny bit of ground. And that's, that shaking is happening over a period of days, but obviously because it's speeded up, you, you start to see it shake. And then suddenly it erupts and a little seedling comes out. And this is, a, this is a miracle in the Qur'an because yani, when you would have read that as a companion, you're reading that and you're, you're looking at the ground and you're not seeing any shaking whatsoever, right? So it's only now with the benefit of time-lapse that you can really see it. It really is a whole shaking and shakes, shakes, and then bam, وَرَبَتْ يعني, Then the, 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 the seeding comes out. So... Allah says, You see the earth khashi'a. It is completely still. Meaning that the asal, the, the, the base position of submission and, and humility and humbleness in the prayer, this concept of khushu', this spirituality, is physical stillness. And the more physically still that you are, the more it will, have a, 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 it will create internal stillness. That's what you want, right? You know, movement is, is, movement is chaos. And chaos is instability, and instability is all over the place. And if you want to have stability, and if you want to be calm, and you want to be... Tra- like when we say the word serene, spirituality, tranquility, you know all these phrases? What's underpinning them is all stillness, isn't it? Stillness of mind. And when you're looking at uh, uh, you know, chaos and rush and movement and haste, then to be still is the opposite of all of that. So likewise, I want you to know that if people want to achieve, alaykum salam rahmatullah, people want to achieve spiritual stillness and calmness and the ability to be able to enjoy their prayer, it starts by creating physical stillness. And a person who's in the prayer and they just keep playing around the hijab or they keep playing their beard or they keep playing around their ghutra, these are people whose hearts are in a state of flux and so they're mindless and then they start to fidget. Whereas a person yani, who stops fidgeting and focusing is giving themselves the best chance. So that's actually quite interesting about what the companions have said. They, were, they, they said all of what I just said without having to say any of that. They just said that a person looks to his position of sajda. If a person is looking at his position of sajda, he is so super focused on that, that it creates a sense of stillness, physical, which then lends itself to an internal sense of stillness. I think that that's really uh, an interesting point. Obviously, this Quranic interpretation is what you would call a tertiary interpretation. It's not a primary evidence. Yeah, it's not a primary proof. There's no immediate, clear, obvious, literal proof. The hadith, of course, is, is abundantly clear that that's the sunnah. Shaykh Uthameen then continues. But some of the scholars also said that he looks straight ahead. Straight ahead, yani whatever his face is. So, uh, meaning that if, so if a person is uh, uh, praying... So if I'm praying, my sajda is there. I can see that, that my sajda is there, so I'm going to look there. But tilqa'a he means that he's just looking straight ahead. That doesn't mean yani, looking out there, but it might mean looking, I don't know, like a foot, two foot maybe after your sajda. Yani, just a natural extension. Um, 
except when he is sitting down, and when he is sitting down, then he looks to that which uh, to his hand as it makes du'a. His hand as it makes du'a. Now we're going to come to that in a second. What does that mean by the hand making du'a? Some then scholars and added some tafsil. They said that there's actually a difference between the imam and the one who is praying and between the follower. So the imam and the one, the one who's praying alone and then the one who's following. These are a two-in-one group and the one who's following. Anyone want to guess what that would be? What would the difference between these two groups be? The one who's an imam or a follower? Uh, imam or someone praying by themselves and a follower? Really obvious. Why would they make a difference between a follower? In terms of looking, common sense thing, common sense. See what, See what the imam is doing, right? That's it, simple as that. They said that actually the one who's praying behind, he needs to be watching what the imam's doing, right? And not necessarily the sajda place, okay? Um, uh, to make sure that he knows yani, that he's following him properly. This is really interesting. Bara, the companion, radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he said that the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he would say, Samiyallahu liman hamida, you know this hadith? I remember reading this hadith maybe 21, 22 years ago, and it stuck in my mind so much. You know, you remember formulative hadith that, uh, that, that impact upon you massively and change something. I can remember the day, and this is a person who can't remember what he had for breakfast yesterday, okay? I can remember the day that I remember I read this hadith and I changed the way I prayed. Like completely changed the way I prayed. It was based upon this hadith. This hadith. He said, when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu said, Sami Allahu liman hamida, lam yahni ahadun minna dhahra, hatta yaqa'a nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sajida, thumma naqa'u sajoodan ba'da. Translated literally, that when the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa would say, Allah, Allah is the one who praises him. Not a single one of us would flex our backs until the Prophet was completely in sujood and only then would we go into sujood after him. Now, if you think about your own prayer, okay, our prayer. Well, I mean, this is a practicing crowd, yeah, so you know how it is, right? The more practicing you get, the less people haste in their prayer, right? People just slow down the more practicing you get. But also the more practicing and more knowledgeable you get, you always want to make sure that you don't, uh, not just rush, but you don't get in front of the imam. Okay, these are like the two things that you kind of find. But there's a big difference between a person watching and waiting until that there's absolutely no doubt that the Prophet ﷺ has actually gone into sajda before you go into sajda. Right? It's like a proper pause. And I remember that when I read this hadith and I started to implement it immediately, what do you think was the first thing that happened, yani, that changed with my prayer, is that I started to look at the imam. You get what I'm saying? Because if I'm going to do that, I've got to make sure. Because remember, when you follow the imam, you are actually following his actions as opposed to his sound. And there's some discussion on that. But the idea would be what happens, you know, if the speaker cuts out, what happens if you're miles behind, whatever, whatnot. You can't always have someone who's a mukabbir, you know, the one who's saying Allahu Akbar for you. So you're following the line, who's following their line, who's following their line, who's following their line, who's following, line, who's following yani the, the imam. All right. So in principle, um, uh, the imam is followed by sight, not by sound. 
And even though the sound is important and obligatory for the imam to keep up, to make sure that he helps. But then likewise, we know that an imam can really mess up the sound. You know, for example, if he goes into a position, then says, or for example, if he says Allahu Akbar too quickly. Yeah, he goes Allahu Akbar and he's like really old and he's taking his sweet time to get down on the floor. You get what I'm saying? But he said Allahu Akbar. The people who are two lines back, they're going to go down, aren't they? And my guy's like not even like halfway on his knees kind of thing before he's gone down. That's a major problem that. This is what we call the imam who should not be leading the prayer because he doesn't have the experience of how to lead salah. It's not about having hivs and knowing the most Quran and being the best reciter. You need to understand the system as well. You need to understand what it's like to be a leader and to be able to know how to pray properly and, and, and so on and so forth. So um, what's interesting here is that is that, that Sheikh Uthameen said, if you look at this hadith, this, is a, this hadith is a proof that you don't at least, or at least always need to look at the place of the sajda. Anyway, just from that hadith point, if you, by the way, this hadith is noted in Bukhari, I think, yeah, that's right. Uh, this hadith is noted by Bukhari in the chapter of the Adhan, The chapter of when should a person go for sajda when he is behind an imam, hadith number 690, also narrated by Imam Muslim as well. Um, in the chapter, in the book of the prayer, the chapter following the imam and the actions that follow onwards after after that. That's narrated hadith 474. It's also narrated, okay, yeah. So, so they said, the scholars said, this is the delil And he's right. Sheikh Uthameen goes, this hadith is an evidence that used to look at him. And he's absolutely right because I've done exactly the same. If you're far back or directly close? Go on. Well, there's no doubt that, that a person who is going to be using this hadith and looking at the imam has got to be a person who's like the first line or maybe second line only. This can't apply to the people who are fourth, fifth lines because as we said, they are following the line in front of them. And it also then indicates that like what you said, there's going to be a, they're, they're, they're going to have a problem because they're following a line which might be making mistakes. That's why the hadith says that the best of lines are the front front lines and then the worst of lines are the back lines. People want to pray proper, pray according to sunnah, pray without any mistakes, pray with full protection of the imam, take all the benefits, etc., 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 are going to be people who are going to pray at the front, see what's going on, know what's happening. Like I'll give you, I'll give you an example. We were, we were praying, a Denmark class was in a masjid. Yeah, a big masjid um, that had its own kind of lecture kind of uh, theater place. And so we just finished the section on errors in the prayer, okay? And, uh, and in there, I went into some uh, further discussion, errors and, and lack of wudu and this and that. And uh, what happens when you break wudu? What happens if you don't have wudu? And what happens if you're an imam and you don't have wudu? Okay, we went for the break, salah, and, uh, and uh, the imam wasn't there. One of the younger lads from the, from the community who's in that masjid, he led the prayer. He's studying the class. He led the prayer. He started the prayer, and I think within 10, 20 seconds, he remembers that he hasn't got wudu. Okay? Right? I, obviously, big pressure upon the guy. Yeah, and, you know, I, 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 this was not a small masjid. This is the main masjid in Copenhagen. Yeah? Or Kupenhaun. Okay, see that? Yes, that's right. That was sick. Yes. Kupenhaun. Okay? And huge numbers of, uh, you know, well, not huge, but, you know, big jama'ah, lots of, you know, old men, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and, the, 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 I, I noticed that um, uh, it was Maghrib, that's right, so it, there was recitation. 
And he had already led a couple of prayers, so people were, were familiar with his voice, right? And he's gone Allah Akbar, he's got a certain voice. And he, he remembers this before he starts Fatiha, right? Now, I'm in the front line. I've seen everything happen, okay? First of all, I see him, and he put his hands down, and he, you know, he realizes that you know situation is. I thought to myself, I wonder if he's going to now remember what I just taught him, like literally 10 minutes ago, yep. And um, he did. I said to him, I spoke to him about why it's a sunnah for the people that know the Qur'an to be behind you. I told him why it's a sunnah that you don't go looking for the most qualified person in other lines because that person needs to walk within their prayer. We covered this in, in last year, remember? When it comes to the swapping of the imams. So, um, and I told him that, you know, you can speak and you, you know, you don't need to make a drama out of it, etc., etc. The little kind of, not complication, but... But uh, he, he did a really impressive job, mashallah. This is funny because... <laughs> sorry. The microphone is the headset. Okay? Oh, yeah. oh had to, obviously, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so it's, it's a headset with the one that goes around the ears, dodgy and you know, that one. So it's gone like that, and the one here. So he's obviously... So he's taken it off, and he's covered it, the microphone. He's gone over... And he's whispered to the guy who's directly behind him, I don't have wudu, please lead the prayer. Okay? And he's you're, pulled him. You're not in Danish. <laughs> 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 don't, you know, if I pull out the Danish, you're going to then be a, Don't even make me, bro. Don't. Don't test me, bro. So uh, he's then gently pulled him out, pulled him to the front. Okay? And. Um, then he's put the microphone on him, everything, while he's still holding his position, okay? And then he's left him there, and he's walked off. And the people who are the lines back, the only thing they heard was a longer-than-usual subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika gap, thinking, why is the prayer not starting? And then, alhamdulillah, in a voice that's completely different. Now they're bamboozled, I tell you straight, they're bamboozled, right? Because they're far back. Now, whether that's had an impact upon their prayer or not, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that if you're at the front, you've seen it, you know it, you're part of it, you're educated on it, you're happy about what happened correctly, you're proud of the, the sunnah, everything. Prayer got finished, everything. Anyway, so I went downstairs afterwards, and uh, a lot of the, the students came up and they were like, SubhanAllah, look man, the brother, MashaAllah, yeah, and look how much he put his knowledge into action, this, that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, MashaAllah, MashaAllah. And then, you know, and then the brother, he sits down, he goes, oh, by the way, Sheikh, I've done that a number of times, right? Yeah, so that was not, not your class at all. I uh, said, Acha. Yeah, you know what I mean? Cut me open. You know? The first time you know what I mean? I could have, I could, I should have. You know what I mean? You should just be quiet and just let me take the credit and everyone be happy. And it's, it's, you know what I mean? It's a feel-good story. Just let let it go. You know what I mean? Why do you have to tell everyone that? No, I've done it. I do it all the time. I could have said, yeah. No, well, can you sort your flipping mistake out all the time then? Bandu, right? He was a sick guy. He was, mashallah, sick guy. Right. Anyway, so. Um, I just want you to know that definitely whatever happens at the further back you are, you're, you're going to always be disadvantaged in your prayer. Always. I remember a video on the YouTube. The, the same thing happened in Masjid Nabi. Correct, yeah. Sheikh Al-Hudhaifi, yeah. And he, we, and he did the That's right. Back. That's right. Uh, yeah, but the difference there, what was the big difference? In the Hudhaifi video? We've spoken about that so many times. 
No. So what's that? What's that? Which yeah, so which means what's the big difference? No, 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 no. What's the big difference? No. Oh my God. What's the big difference between that and every other story? The prayer hadn't started. Oh, there's no story then. But no, but no, it's still a story, bro. Oh, shut up, yara. Iqama given stole, tarasu, a'tadilu, lifts his hands up, and everyone's yani there, drama, and then he suddenly turns around and goes, you lot wait here. <laughs> For two and a half full minutes, everyone is just, oh, you weren't rapid, bro. But you know, the wudu area is right there. <laughs> I know, I know. Isa knows. Isa knows. <laughs> no, no. He didn't enter in the prayer. No. No, not the famous video. Not the, the famous one of a Hudayfi. Yeah. It's not, I, I, mean, I mean, let me make it clear. If it wasn't, then he made a mistake, straight up. It's not possible for him to come back to a prayer. Whatever. But I'm saying to you, how is it possible for it to be any other way? How can he come back and lead the prayer again? They've already in their prayer. Correct. Yeah. We covered this section, man, in how many lessons in the last year? Oh my God, you give me a heart attack now. You remember we said that if a person, he leaves, he has to come back and join the jama'ah. He's, he's now a new person, right? And we said that the sunnah is that he's, he de- puts a deputy forward. He puts a deputy forward. And when the Prophet ﷺ left the jama'ah, he came back as a, uh, as a ma'moom as well. Anyway, um, <coughs> why am I reading about the prayer? He hasn't started the prayer and the prayer hasn't started. You've blown my mind now. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I thought that they're thinking I'm praying or something. Right, okay, yes, correct. Rafia, correct. Well done. Um, Naveed and Rafi are great, right. What, what if you're in that situation, you want to follow that hadith, but um, your imam's rapid? So who's the, the guy? He's very, he's, he's, you, you're the imam is the guy who's no, broken. No, no, he's, he's praying, but he's, you, you're, not, you're worried that he's not going to stay in the sujah for very long. You know? So you're waiting for him to go, so you're waiting to go down, but by the time he's gone down, that's a really good question, subhanAllah. That's a really good question. The question is, is that, is that what if you are, you know, about applying this hadith of not moving from your uh, position until he goes into sajda, but the imam is very quick. You know that by the time that you give him that much time and you go down, he's going to come back up again. So at this moment, then you're obviously going to have to calibrate. I mean, this is, by the way, not an obligation of the prayer. This is something which is a hay'a or an adab that improves the quality of the prayer. Even to say it's a sunnah of the prayer, yani. but the point is it's a recommended action to make sure you don't get in front of the imam, make sure that yani, a person is definitely in each position before you enter it. Uh, but no doubt that if you're praying in a mosque or with a jama'ah where the people are a bit funky like that, you know, going up and down and stuff, then very quickly, and you know that there's a real chance that you'll you'll miss it. Then you obviously are not going to wait so long. And saying that, so you know, we say we want to be behind the imam. Yeah. But um, how much kind of time should we give? So, so yeah, it's not allowed to delay. You're not allowed today because it's you have to follow. But this is not a delay. 
You see, this is the, this is the mistake. This is the mistake that people think that this is a delay. This is a delay, right? When the Imam says "Salam alaykum wa rahmatullah," "Salam alaykum wa rahmatullah," and the Shafi'i school, we, we we covered this, I think, I don't know how many times. You know, they will not move until the Imam is finished. It's like a, a and two of them, which is criminal, right? If they were like saying we don't want to just get in front of his first one, then I get that, but. They let both finish, then they all as a big group go, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. This is the impermissible delay, right? Whereas a person who wants to, sunnah, to do the sunnah delay to not get in front of a person, because like the Hanafis, they're the other side. They do it with the imam, and they often finish him before the imam. So as soon as the imam, and again, imam has also got to take his guilt here. If the imam's going, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, all right? And the pack behind, he just hears Assalamu alaikum, and he just goes, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Then if the imam goes, Assalamu alaikum, and all this kind of business, then Pak's already finished, he's gone. He's gone into the second one and, you know, he's done as well. So, so you've got to be balanced. So when the imam goes, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, you have to let him finish saying, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and hope and assume that he's actually ch- t- turned his face. And then we'll turn our face. And then we hear, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and we assume that he's turned his face, then we turn our face. That's the lack of delay that you need to have because if you do delay, that's unacceptable. Oh no, no, uh, uh, definitely. When it comes to taslim, the parity between the follower and the imam is off. Is off. Yep. In terms of waiting, so forth, is there any emphasis or any way given to being in line with everybody else in line? As in, if everybody else has gone down, but you're waiting. No, no. Good question. Yeah, and it is the whole point of delay more about maintaining parity with the rest of the line and a nice symmetry and a nice togetherness, the answer is no. Ideally, you'd want them to be going down with you, but we're not going to go down with them if they're going down too quick or they're making mistakes. Ideally, everyone should be following the sunnah, but that's like what you're just saying is like, should we have a straight line or not? The answer is, of course we should, but you're going to find that with different people, there's going to be people standing separately, people who don't believe that feet should touch his feet and you know, gaps and... So there's no, no doubt about what we want. But then if there are people, for example, that are praying with their feet this close together and therefore leaving an abnormal gap next to me there and the same on that side, what is my obligation now to keep spreading my legs until I start doing the splits, right? Or how far do I go to maintain the strength and unity of this line? You go as far as, as is normally possible. Normally possible is not you going you know, wider than that wider than your body's width so you know that can get you know crazy you do see all these kind of things literally that people you know like crazy behavior um abdul mateen asks actually we should go down uh, uh shaz there's a couple of questions below rehan said that um uh i always uh you know hi he says that uh, hi hi um david told yeah okay yeah hi Hi, hi, hi. Okay. Um, one, when there are authentic examples of the Prophet ﷺ doing more than one version of an action, is there any merit to the notion that we should mix it up and use each of them over our lifetimes? And that's absolutely correct, but in only in specific areas where those actions were done many times and the position of the scholars is that they were done to give a person a choice. So the, 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 the kind of examples would be dua that are said internally, and the kind of examples would be, for example, the, uh, uh, the in my opinion, the raising of the hands, the, the positioning of the hands, 
I think that there are certain positions in the prayer that very much fall into this category. Where it, the adhan is probably the most famous example. Probably the most famous and underused example is the adhan. There is absolutely no doubt that the hadith, that the adhan and the iqama has been narrated as Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu anna Muhammadur Rasulullah, ya Rasulullah, ya Rasulullah. And there's absolutely no doubt that the iqama has been narrated. Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. What we know as the Arab version and the Hanafi version. And we can't be calling it that anymore. You know, students of knowledge shouldn't be doing that. Both are the sunnah. There's absolutely no doubt that what Abdul Mateen is mentioning should be applied for the dua'i qunut. Okay? It is in Bukhari that the Nabi Sallallahu would make qunut al-witr before the ruku'ah. How many times would the people in this room here have done before qunut, before ruku'ah? The majority of you are doing it after the ruku'ah, before you go for sajda, which is the shafi'i and humbly way, right? The way that you... Uh, get to see afterwards whereas the Hanafi way as you know is exclusively before right so I'm saying that students of knowledge should be definitely alternating between these two but then there are other actions where there's variety where the scholars do not agree so the hand location hand underneath hand on top hand on chest hardly any of the scholars consider that these are three authentic positions that you rotate through and to be honest Maybe that's a safer position to not rotate through these positions, right? So what I want to say that it's not to answer your question, Abdul Mateen, and I want everyone here to understand this question and answer very, very clearly. Again, I repeat his question and again listen to my answer. When there are authentic examples of the Prophet ﷺ doing more than one version of an action, is there any merit to the notion that we should mix it up and use each of them over our lifetimes? The answer is very much yes when the scholars indicate that those authentic narrations are part of variety. And not the case when the variety of, of narrated actions are not agreed upon and some considered to be weak and some are considered to be abrogated and some are considered... Then it would be a nonsense then to say that you do all of them. If there's a clear methodology that shows some of them are not acceptable or some of them are weak or some of them are abrogated, then why are you doing that? Right? This is an absurd example, but this could then be like you could use the ayat in the Quran. There are three verses in the Quran that indicate drinking alcohol. One of them is clearly allowing it, clearly, and it's in the Quran right now. And if you would say ignore the other two, then you should be drinking alcohol, but just not so much so that you're not drunk when you are speaking, when you're in, in salah, so that you know what you're saying. So that's a small amount that allows it. But if you take the second one, it's a, it's a slight kind of wrap. It's a slight kind of prohibition. And then the last verse is a complete prohibition. Now, you know, a person might come and say, we're meant to apply all three verses at the same time because it's the Qur'an and it's therefore in play. And that would not be the case. Just because it's narrated authentically in the Qur'an, they're not all in play. There's a consensus that the one verse which is in there is abrogated. You cannot apply that verse. That is not in play anymore. Its meaning is not in play because that indicates clearly that you are able to have a tipple and then pray as long as you know what you're saying. And majority of people can know what they're saying after taking a beer or a shot. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know about that. But you know, tough guy and all that. Anyway, uh, Sheikh Uthameen then says, um, and also another evidence which they used, again, inadvertent, uh, 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 indirectly, also very nice, subhanAllah, is what happened in Salatul Kusuf. Okay? Salatul Kusuf, the, the, um, uh, the eclipse of the moon. 
okay, the eclipse of the moon, where the Prophet ﷺ told his companions, أَنَّهُ عُرِدَتْ عَلَيْهِ الْجَنَّةِ وَعُرِدَتْ عَلَيْهِ النَّارِ that whilst he was praying Salatul Kusuf and the companions were behind him, he told them afterwards that, you know what happened to me in this prayer? I, I was shown Jannah and I was shown the fire. And he said, وَقَالَ يعني, Do you know that part in the prayer? This is his, him speaking. Do you know that part in the prayer where I went forward? That was when I was shown Jannah. Do you know that part when I step back? That is when I was shown the fire. وهذا, uh, and this hadith is narrated in Bukhari, in the chapter of the Qusuf, the, chap- the book of Qusuf, the chapter of Qusuf or Jama'ah, in, uh, the, 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 the prayer of the thingy in congregation, eclipse prayer in congregation, hadith number 1052, also narrated by... Uh, subhanAllah, also narrated by Imam Muslim in the book of the uh, Eclipse Prayer in the chapter title, the chapter of what was presented to the Prophet ﷺ in the Eclipse Prayer from the issues of Jannah and Nar. What a beautiful title, subhanAllah. 904, that hadith, hadith 904. So you can see actually these two hadith indirectly yani, are showing to us that, that they were able to, uh, uh, they were watching the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, he even assumed. Now, you could argue that, listen, the imam going forward and backwards, everyone's going to notice that wherever you're looking. You know what I mean? These are not direct primary evidences. Let's not yeah, lose our, our focus. Yeah. By the way, I think uh, Ghana program cancelled over here. Yeah. <laughs> we, what's happening? Tell other again to left you. This is there's an opportunity to get out of here, bro. How long is this lesson we're going for? Too long. <laughs> exactly 57 minutes, bro. We're saying else. Don't yani Ruqayya and with that don't get a vote at all. Okay? The rest of you five, what's the vote? We've got half an hour to get a vote. We need again. What? Come on. Stick or twist? Alright, stick or twist? Sticks. I wanna I wanna hear the sticks. Put the hands up for the sticks. So guess what? We don't care. <laughs> <laughs> guess what? We still don't care. <laughs> hold on. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. No, no, you said stick or twist. I'm just saying we're sticking. Didn't ask for If I could make a smaller violin, I would, but I can't. <laughs> I literally can't. I just, I just, my fingers can't. Are we sticking or are we twisting? Dr. Saab, give us a fatwa. We're fasting, we're twisting. Yeah, I think I'm home from my fasting. Seems like I'm eating. He had honey, roti, honey at home. Then he came masjid. Because, unbelievable. He literally walks in 10 minutes ago after the guy stuffed himself, yeah? Yeah, I mean, had honey at home. And we're left here like this, yeah, they all... Anyway, I think, we're, I think we're sticking, bro. You know, all you have bottled it. Bottled it. Only one guy, yeah, a sick guy, he started getting up. But the rest of you all bottled it, saying, yeah, yeah, we're all going to go munch, we're all going to go munch, bottlers. All right, anyway. Right, okay. So, here's the interesting thing. After all of that, you know what Sheikh Uthameen says? Okay, um, because I just want to say that all of these evidences, 
are saying that effectively uh, they prove indirectly that they were watching the imam. But I want to say to you that I could argue against that. If I'm standing in the front line and the imam goes for sajda, I can see that even if, even if I'm looking at my position of sajda. Especially I'm looking at this. It's right in front of me. You know what I'm trying to say? And there's no proof, by the way, where Bara was standing. If Bara was standing yani, right behind the imam, what do you expect him to see? And if he's standing at the end, now that's maybe okay. If he's standing two lines back, all right, now that's something else. But he doesn't say where he was standing exactly. So these are not the strongest evidences. But that's why it's important for us to understand and to be critical of evidences that are not direct. We can't touch the hadith. The hadith is super clear that he would look at it in such the point. And the ayah was, well, okay, maybe. And these yani, statements, well, okay, maybe. And that's it. All right? But still, it led Sheikh Uthaymin to say the following then, in the middle of page 39, وَالْأَمْرُ فِي هَذَا وَاسِعٍ And to be honest, the issue's got lots of space. Yani, we're, we're okay with this issue. The issue is flexible. The issue is flexible. If a person, and a person should look, this is interesting. He goes, The person should look at whatever makes him feel more good for his khushu'ah. Whatever is better for his khushu'ah, then let him look to where that's going to help him. He goes, unless the person is sitting down. Unless he's sitting down. Because if he is sitting down, Because if he's sitting down, then he should look at his finger as it indicates. However, however it indicates. But you should be looking at the finger. Now, many of you know that, okay? That it is sunnah, that when a person is praying, then you look down at your sajda point, and when you're in ruku'ah, you look straight down, and when you are sitting, then with your tashahud finger, whether you are moving it like this, okay? Or whether you stick it at the beginning, at tahiyatulillah, or whether like in the Hanafi school and the Shafi'i school, you raise it only at Ashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. The point is, is that all of these are taharruk. All of these are a movement. It just depends on when you moved it. And if you're moving it continuously. We'll speak about that in a second. But the point is, is that this movement, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Shaykh Uthameen is saying, you must look at your finger because of what has been narrated about that. Hmm. What has been narrated about that? Let's look at this. This is actually quite controversial. Okay. So, um, You'll be surprised actually that there are a few hadith that are very authentic that mention this. There is a famous hadith uh, where and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he would, kana, uh, kana sallam, yal, uh, 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 he would stretch out his right, his left hand on his left knee and he would, he would uh, uh, gather grasp all his fingers together on his right hand, all of them, and the finger, uh, index finger? Yes. Yeah, index finger, he would point with his index finger, which is next to the thumb, towards the qibla, and he would throw his eyesight towards it. I'm translating literally. Meaning that he would watch it. He would look at it. His eyes would be transfixed on it. This hadith, Okay, Sheikh Al-Bani, he said this is narrated by Muslim and Abu Uwana and Ibn Khuzayma. Now, I just want you to know that in the narration of Muslim, there is not a single mention of this last part where he, sallallahu alayhi wa would look at his finger. Even though Sheikh Uthameen 
uh, sorry, Sheikh uh, Sheikh uh, Albani did not make that clear, and he has a responsibility to make that clear when he says this hadith is a Muslim. Okay, this hadith is a Muslim all the way until the end, and so what we call this end part, we call this a ziyada, an increase upon the original text. And has it ever been said? Yani, it seems that it's not been narrated, and the reason that Muslim didn't, and that's the reason why Muslim and Bukhari are the two best and the most authentic collections, is that if they have any doubt about any portion of a sentence, they'll just leave it straight out. That's the difference. That's the reason why people have got faith, and you don't need to even say what number or anything. You just say it's in Bukhari, just say it's in Muslim. Why is that? Because they would study every letter, every word, and if every word does not match their, their conditions, they leave it out. So the version in, in, in Muslim has it all the way until, and he would point his finger, the one next to the thumb, towards the qibla. And that's it. That's where the hadith ends. And so the Muslim, the Muslim version does not have that. However, does that mean it's game over? No, because we have other hadith. For example, the narration that's collected by Imam Abu Dawood, hadith number 990, that his eyes would not leave his eyes would not leave the the, 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 the the indicating of his finger. So we have other narrations that do authentically describe that the Prophet ﷺ would focus on the finger. He would focus, but it's just not in Sahih Muslim. You've got the, the reference there, narrated by Abu Dawood. Actually, the Muhaqqad does, the good thing about the Mumtah is that he does get it right, and he does mention the right version, which is that it's narrated by Abu Dawood in the chapter of Salah, the indicating in Tashahud. It's also in the hadith number 990, also narrated by Imam Nasa'i in the book of the forgetfulness, in the chapter of where do the eyes look at when there, there is indicating and movement of the sabab meaning the index finger. That's hadith number 1274. Imam al-Nawawi, he remarked in his commentary on Sahih Muslim, this is interesting, while he was commentating on Sahih Muslim, and he sees the absence of this extra uh, addition, he stated, He goes that the authentic version that does collect this is in Abu Dawood. And I think the hadith is sahih, and I think this is a sunnah, and that's why it's important that, uh, I, I, I mean, I think to watch the finger is sunnah, not to move the finger. We'll come to that obviously in its right time. So, 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 um, we can conclude that a person should look to his, uh, look to his, uh, uh, his place of prostration uh, when he's standing in normal scenarios and look to his finger yani when he is in the tashahud position. At-tahiyyatulillah, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, the dua position. All of this, this is called the tashahud. He should look to his right hand. By the way, I have a theory, okay? And that theory has been proven yani scientifically, anecdotally, and is without any single thingy. Say it, Jeeva. Correct. No, you just you were literally sweating every single... You went... Women have a major problem saying tashahud. They can't say it. I don't know why. I have no idea why. I have to say that a couple of men yeah, they find it difficult as well. Yeah, yeah. You can say it now as much as one. But you know what it is? I go to every single class that I teach Yani Fiqh Salah, and Yani, when I, I, it's so difficult not to laugh when the sister puts her hand up and she goes that. Uh, so in the tahajjud, in the, in the tahajjud, in the whatever, and I'm just like, you know, straight face, I'm going to keep calm. And it's important for me to add that because the Danish girls have got nothing to the Bengalis and Pakistan of the UK. They're first of all, they're Somalis and Arabs. And they've got a different language. 
and they're different, yani, whole different people. They're Scandinavians, they're a whole different place. So what excuse have they got? Yani, there's no connection. I, I think it's a gender thing. And I can't, I can't work out why. And by the way, this is something I've seen and, and noted for 10 years of teaching Fiqh Salah. I've taught Fiqh Salah for 10 years. I must have taught that class at least 50 times. 50 times I'm teaching women who cannot say the shahud. I don't know. Toba, I didn't. I have no idea what he said. All I know is I hope that this microphone is not picking up nothing. My God, the chief, the chief went straight in. You're too much sugar. You're too much sugar. Too much sugar. You're too much sugar. You're too much sugar. You're too much sugar. You're too much sugar. Good, good time in Bushat. Well done, yeah? You can also tell, tell, tell I had my handi at home, yeah? Well, two roti as well, yeah? You have to get chart as well, yeah? You have some gear as well, yeah? One hour late. Well, now, one hour fifteen late. Oh, I'll let you off then. Tell it to you, get them. Astaghfirullah. Right. Sheikh continues. He goes, there are some exceptions that the scholars mentioned with respect to looking at the place of sajda and looking at the finger. What do you think that exception is? Nice and easy. No. Another exception, I mean, that we have not mentioned. Alaykum salam. What do you think that exception is? Come on, folks. When you're in the haram, did you say? <laughs> that, is, that is an exception. That is correct. But, uh, but just uh, we'll just go with what Danish said, where there's danger. Salat al-Khawf, okay? The fear prayer, okay? Uh, when a person, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, hidrakum, Allah says, and be very careful. Yani be on guard, okay? Be on guard. Surah Nisa, verse 102. هو إيش what do you think an عين is what do you think an عين is I want to know whether in Masr they use this with عين يعني ها in the context that he he بعث عينا إلى يوم حنين حنين is a battle right how do you send an عين like a spike sick guy is that what they use they say that yeah in Egypt yeah eyes everywhere exactly so they spend send spies Right, and so the Prophet ﷺ had a spy, and he was also on the guard for a for a spy as well. So looking around left and right, when a person is worried and afraid of attack, then he's always looking left and right, and so on and so forth. So this is even if it's a lot. يعني when a situation of the 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 the, the, the salat al khawf, it's allowed for you to be looking left and right because that's actually what Allah actually commanded you to do. Um, so this is a this is a correct exception, a valid exception. Okay, that's number one. Number two, another exception <laughs> is when you're in Masjid al Haram. In Masjid al Haram, okay, they said that you should look to the Kaaba because this is the qibla of the musalli. But this is weak. This is unacceptable. This is no, there's no evidence in this position that, that just because the Qibla itself was never to be looked at, it was to be faced in terms of direction. 
And in terms of where the eyes are, then the hadith makes it clear that that is the position of the sajda. And also, Sheikh Uthameen says, When you look at the Kaaba, that's going to also disturb you as well. It's true. Because it's not possible to look at the Kaaba and not look at the millions of people that are all trying, trying to kill each other. Yeah, I need to try and, you know, touch a Hajar Aswad or Rukin Yamani or climbing on each other's heads or maybe, you know, making Tawaf topless or something like that. Yeah, I mean, you just never know. You never know, Danish, isn't it? What you might see, bro. You know what I mean? Man's praying with no... Man's, man's praying. On his bike as well. So many, 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 many... There are many things that can happen. Many things. Bismillah. Let's have the questions up and down first. Okay, so um, so yeah, so a person yani, uh, uh, shouldn't look at the Kaaba when he's in prayer, and uh, you know when he comes out of prayer, then you can look at it as much as he wants. Yani, salah is salah, yani, when you're doing tawaf, that's yani, when you're meant to be looking at the Kaaba, not when you're praying, and uh, that's something which should happen, just like any other masjid. 
Uh, the other the other thing to say is that to look towards the sky is something which is not just haram but considered to be from the kabair, considered to be from the major sins. Okay, because the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam prohibited that, and in fact he went even further because he even said leantahiyanna yani. Uh, he goes that those people who would who would keep looking up at the sky with their eyes, he goes they better stop or Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will snatch away their eyesight. They better stop. They most definitely better stop. It's like a real emphasis. They one hundred percent better be warned, stop. Otherwise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will certainly one hundred percent take away their eyesight. Uh, and another narration or it will not come back their eyesight, yeah, and it will go and it will not come back to them. So this lackadaisical approach to the Salah, with the people looking all over the place, yeah, and looking around the sky and bored and whatever, <coughs> it's so disrespectful and it's something which is completely unacceptable. Hadith is narrated by Bukhari and by Muslim, hadith number mm-hmm. 750 in, by, in Bukhari. Um, and Sheikh said this is a very, very stern warning, and the warning is never given in principle, the warning is never given except if the sin is from the kabair, okay, which is uh, true. And in, in fact, in fact, some of the scholars, they even went as far as to say that the one who lifts his eyesight to the sky, he invalidates his prayer. He invalidates his prayer. Um, and the reason they said that is because the first is that they have taken, they've turned away from the Qibla. This is the direction of the Qibla. And once they've gone that way, then they've turned away from the, the Qibla because the Kaaba is on the, uh, 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 on the ground and not in the sky. And the second reason is that because he has done something which is haram and prohibited specifically in the prayer. And something which is haram and prohibited specifically in an act of, a, uh, in an act of worship indicates its invalidity. That's a very important principle and a very scary point to reflect upon. The person who does something which is haram, but specifically that's been mentioned in an act of worship, indicates its invalidity. Walakin, Sheikh says. However, the vast majority of scholars, they said that the one who does that, looks into the sky, he does not invalidate his prayer. And that is the humbly position and the four imams, and it's the class position as well. You do not actually uh, invalidate your prayer. However, there's no doubt that the correct position, the stronger position is that he is sinful if he does that in the prayer. Because this is not because su- such a warning does not come for makru acts. Only some things which is haram. How does it not break the prayer? Well, like, to be honest, it is a difficult one because it has all the ingredients to so indicate. We're saying something haram. Yep. There's no doubt it being, being haram. We've, we've discussed a lot before that something being haram does not necessarily indicate invalidity. But something being haram to a specific act of worship, like Sheikh Uthameen said, is something which yani, would indicate it. He seems to accept the majority, and we always have accepted the majority on this position, but sometimes it doesn't make sense, correct? It doesn't follow, follow on logically. If that is the rule, then this should then be applied here. So anyway, Sheikh then says, so therefore a person should look yani, straight ahead or to the position of his, of his sajda, um, other than yani, the exceptions. But what about the most strongest opinion according to me? This is what Sheikh Uthameen says. He goes that, um, uh, that really the person should focus on that which is going to make him more in a position of khushur, except the uh, two scenarios. One where he's in the uh, situation of he's afraid for himself. And by the way, I want you to know that it doesn't have to be the fear prayer alone. Okay, It can be another situation if he's uh, scared. Because remember... Well, I don't know if we've covered it here yet, or we haven't covered it here. But you know when it comes to allowing people to pray sitting down, 
We gave the fatwa allowing people to pray sitting down on a plane even though they've got the ability to pray standing based upon the Hanbali scholars mentioning that it's allowed to pray sitting down despite there being nothing wrong with you if you are in a state of fear. They gave the example of the one who um, in the old books is someone who is trying to escape from a dictator or a zalim taghi who's after him, oppressive ruler for some yani, reason which is unacceptable and he's got all the people searching for him and the guy's hiding like a field of corn kind of scenario or where the areas are short and he's keeping flat and then the prayer time comes now the prayer time comes there's nothing wrong with his legs is there there's nothing he can stand up and pray but they allowed him to sit and pray to not stick his head up above and be discovered and the reason they said that he's allowed to do that the earlier scholars we're talking a thousand twelve hundred years ago they said because the state of fear that he would be in if he was standing up would ruin his prayer anyway and he'd be like i can be seen i can be seen whatever and frankly we gave the same analogy for today on a plane people who pray on a plane standing they're in pieces now Yani, you know, you might have the odd one who's strong and all the rest of it, but a lot of people are thinking, who's watching me now? What are they thinking? Are they scared? Are they worried? Anyone who's on a flipping plane to America is thinking the air marshal is going to pop out and pop me in the head now, yeah? <laughs> right? Because there is some possibility random or some guy, some trigger happy punk, Yani, you know, saying, yep, yeah, you know. So the point is, there's a real fear. So we allow a person, even though he can stand, to stay seated. Well, then the, the, the position here is that it's not just the prayer. Any time a position is worried, person is worried about their prayer or their surroundings, he's allowed to look left and right or whatever. And the other, the other exception is to look at the position of the finger as is narrated from the uh, sunnah. Um, yeah. So you said uh, out of fear, but then you also said that you're worried about people looking at you. If it were just a case of them looking at you, would that be enough of an excuse? I think so. I think so. I think that if a person is like... Because... Listen, there's one thing, Yanni, when you're praying in a in train station or in a airport departure gate or whatever, and you know everyone's looking at you, but you couldn't care less because you know that they're not in a state of fear. The problem on the plane is that you are worried about the people because you know they're in a state of fear. They're freaking out. You know, a lot of people are like, you know, this is it. Eileen, this is it. What <laughs> 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 Always, always, always Eileen is like, you know, that's it. She's like, all right, that's it. I told you we shouldn't have gone easy jet. I always said we should have gone British Airways. <laughs> what if it's not fear that you know people are going to be just awkward? You don't have no, to... no, it's got to be fair. It's, it's, it's a case-to-case basis and a person's strong, you should pray. I think it's important for people just to pray any here and there. Correctly so, of course, we, we covered the whole issue of emergency exits and all the rest of it. Um, now, I want to quickly just answer some questions. Crawling babies is an example of you can take a look because there is a danger. That's, that's a good question, Samira, and you're allowed to look at that. Um, and in relation to looking at the finger, um, uh, the dua is not going to be coming in this lesson because I've realized that Sheikh Uthameen is covering it a lot later. Farah, question down, yalla, quickly. We've only got one, two minutes to answer, to finish this last one. Um, is there four sunnah before dhuhr to be prayed in twos? Yes, according to the three imams, it's to be prayed in twos. That's the correct position and not in a four. But if you pray in a four, that's also acceptable. Uh, Juwairiya, we said that the problem that happens is because when you, when you have a barrier, which is not the sunnah, then you, you create the problem. Women are not meant to be following a speaker. They're meant to be following the line. The, the, the line. And yes, go back to the last year's notes. Then you'll see that. Maryam asked the question about closing the eyes. And that is the last part that Sheikh Uthami mentions. He goes that... 
Uh, as for closing the eyes, this is makruh, and we all need to learn that. We all must understand that it is not the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ to close his eyes. That is the sunnah of the Zen masters, Buddhists, and hippies, and pagan worshippers, and all other fools out there. Yeah, That's their job. Our job is to keep our eyes open, as was the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. The only time it's allowed to close your eyes is that if you are being disturbed by something significant, and there's no way of getting rid of it. And Nabi ﷺ would make a lot of... Um, effort to get rid of disturbances and distractions uh, in the in the way. If someone says, Sheikh Uthameen says, "For in qala qailun, ana ajdu nafsi ida ida ughmidat ainiya akhsha." This is what everyone says. He goes, a person will say, "But I find that when I close my eyes, I feel in a greater state of khushua. I feel more connected in the prayer because I can meditate or some bakwas. I don't know. Okay, so can you give me a fatwa to close my eyes?" All right. Someone asked Sheikh Uthameen, and he said, "No, لا لأن هذا الخشوع الذي يحصل لك بفعل المكروه من الشيطان." Okay, he's basically said that this khushu that you're you're feeling, and with your eyes closed, this came from Shaitan himself, not from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. That's a sick answer, bro. Yes, bro. Okay. The truth is, the truth is, is that we have to be able to develop a, a focus in the salah where we are doing it according to Sunnah and a love. For the sunnah as opposed to just closing the eyes. There are other times you can close the eyes and wander and meditate and do that kind of nonsense, but this is something which is bid'ah. Yani they, he, as, 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 as the Sheikh said, that only the people of bid'ah insist on closing their eyes when a Nabi refused to close his, um, uh, his uh, eyes. Try to keep them open, he says. Um, but if there is a reason to, if someone is feeling some problems, someone keeps seeing something go back and forth, back and forth, some kind of issue, then it is permissible to close the eyes. Okay? But for the reason. But without reason, person just saying, Wallah, I like yani, you know, the feeling of you know, wandering away. This is not meditation. This is salah. You're worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, not lying down in the swimming pool yani, with the eyes closed. Yani. Yeah? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Praying in the dark is permissible. If you want to do that, pray in the dark. Don't put the lights on. It's not sunnah to have all these lights on, by the way. Why is it that we have such bright lights? Huh? Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar, who's paying the bills here? Honestly. Huh? Let's keep the lights off instead. So yeah, avoid closing the eyes. And if you pray in the dark room, that's permissible. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika shahadu wa la ilaha illa antu astaghfirukallahumma wa atubu alayk. Make sure you're here early for next week's lesson. Because it's even earlier. The last early lesson that we have. So half past seven odd.